life is so much easier when you take responsibility for things in your life and stop trying to put it somewhere else. Cause once you take responsibility and try to fix it yourself, it's a lot easier to deal with. And usually generally it will not happen again. If you, if you take ownership and, and find out why it happened and fix it right there. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. One last thing before we get into today's episode. A lot of people ask how they can support the podcast. Well, I have a couple easy ways. The first way is just listen and subscribe. And another thing you can do is go follow the Roughnecks podcast on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube as well. If you get something out of today's show, then do me a favor. Share it with a friend. If you really want to go above and beyond to support the podcast, then head over to roughnextpodcast.com and get you some of that merch. I appreciate all of the support, but let's get into today's episode. everybody welcome back to another episode of the roughnecks podcast this is episode i don't remember episode something rather i don't remember like saying what episode it is anymore because i get my episodes all mixed up and we've kind of took a little break from the podcast i've been kind of busy crazy schedule and it's summertime so guests are also very busy but try to fit everything in when i can i promise i just scheduled the whole month at least I think the whole month of June and partially of July already scheduled those with guests. So we will definitely be getting content to you guys consistently. But joining me today for another episode of the podcast is somebody I met a very long time ago and I haven't seen in a very long time. But Mitch Lore, welcome to the Roughnecks podcast. What's going on, Cole? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. I've been... uh you know, you've had a, a lot of change since the last time I think we've actually like yeah. been around each other. But, yeah. you know, we met what probably we would have been what fourth, fifth grade. Yeah, like 11 or 12 years old. Yeah, because I, I gave up actually the last year that we played together was the last year that I played baseball. Okay. So that was, I mean, yeah, it was fifth grade the last time I think that we really, we may have seen each other here and there, but in between. Right. But, other than that, we really haven't seen much of each other. So just kind of we'll give a little background on who you are for the listeners and honestly for me who hasn't seen you in a long time. Right. Yeah. So uh, so like Cole said, kind of the last time I remember hanging out with Cole was uh, Little League Baseball. You know, I was I think I'm, I'm a year older than you, maybe. Um, so I think yeah, I'm, I'm 23. 12, I'm 24. So um, put Little League Baseball together. Um, I remember a few sleepovers at Cole's house. Um yeah, having a good time back in the day. Uh, but since then, um, I went to uh, Newark Catholic High School. Cole went to Walk-In, so we were kind of somewhat rivals. Uh, like you said, he, he didn't end up playing baseball in high school, but um, played against Walk-Ins. Um, I played for – I played on varsity, um, started all four years at catcher uh, for Newark Catholic, which uh, – 
I don't know if that's been done, at least at the catching position, but I know at least recently I'm the only one that's been able to do that. Um, and we'll kind of get into some of the baseball accolades and awards a little bit later on, I'm sure. But um, after high school, I went to um, – I ended up going to Ohio Valley University for five years. I had an extra year from uh, COVID and an extra year from a medical redshirt I took when I had an injury in college. Um, and then I actually got to play a sixth year after my college, Ohio Valley University, shut down. The whole school was completely shut down. And we can talk about that here in a little bit because that was kind of a, a weird time that just happened last uh, last December. Um, but I ended up going to Glenville State University to finish my uh, degree and my career. Just graduated from there in May. So I've been home for a few weeks, um, getting back into lifting, getting back into my job. So it's been a good time. Yeah, we'll we'll kind of get it. We'll get into all of that, but we'll we'll kick it off first, like with the. Uh... You know, the Catholic, we definitely did have a little rivalry there. And the funny thing is, is I live right by Newark Catholic now. So See, okay. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of funny that, yeah. and, you know, uh, Kyle Gibson and me, me and him were like super close when we yeah. were in elementary school. And then it just kind of, we ended up distancing apart when he moved out here. But it is, it's not the rivalry too. I, I feel like we don't understand as much about the rivalry. I remember my parents telling me like, Walk-ins and Newark Catholic used to be like a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Like it wasn't walk-ins and heights. That wasn't a thing. It was walk-ins and Catholic. Like that was the big rivalry. Did you guys have like kind of was it in every sport? I guess I didn't really notice. Like I I knew of it in football. Basketball, I didn't feel like we were as like it was a rival, but we didn't take it as much. But it was like did you guys have that in baseball as well? Um, I wouldn't say there was like a, a specific like Newark Catholic Watkins rival. Um, the, the big one for us in baseball, at least when I played there was Granville. Um, that was always a big one with Catholic. We always hated Granville. I think that was mostly every sport. Um, I'm pretty sure every school hated Granville. Yeah. 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 I feel you there for sure. You guys uh, ended up going on. Didn't you, did you win state when you were at Catholic? Yeah. So I won state three out of my four years. And the year okay, that we didn't win, uh, we lost in the state final on a walk-off. So, Ooh. so we went there all four years and uh, won three of them. Which year did you lose? It was my sophomore year, so it would have okay. been. 20, At least it wasn't your senior year. Yeah, it would have been twenty fourteen. Because my sister-in-law, she went to Lakewood, mm -hmm. um, and she played softball there, and they won you know, three state titles, her freshman, sophomore, and junior year. Yeah. And then they lost her senior year, I think, in the final four. Okay. And yeah. I think it was a similar situation. It was like a walk-off, and it was like, well, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so I remember back, I mean, did you always just kind of catch? Because I noticed in your bio it said for, uh, first baseman, right? Right. Yeah, so it was like is was catching kind of your catching was kind of your thing. I remember that because I always loved because you had your nice catching gear. Yeah. So anytime I'd have to catch for you, I always had the good gear. Right. Yeah, catching uh, catching was always my thing, um, and I had never played. I mean, you know, little league, everybody pitches, everybody you know kind of plays everywhere. So I played a little bit of infield pitcher catcher, um, but I actually had never played first base until. 
my fourth year in college, and that was because of my back injury. Um, so I had, and I, I started lifting pretty heavy in my senior year. At the beginning of my senior year, I ended up hurting my back, um, but had no clue what I was doing. So I, you know, I thought it was just, I was sore, pulled a muscle or something. So uh, I kept lifting through it, playing through it. Um, after my freshman year in college, I ended up getting back surgery in September. So technically my sophomore year. Um, and that's where my medical red shirt came from. I played that year. And then my junior year, I ended up having to kind of shut it down, stop catching. And I, uh, I took my medical red shirt that year. So after that year, going into my senior year is when I kind of made the switch to first base and uh, played that my last couple of years of my my career. So what was that kind of like, kind of take me through like, you know, your process with that, because I'm sure that like, you know, you were a catcher pretty much your whole life. Like that was your bread and butter. Yep. Kind of take me yep. through like, was it a hard transition to make going from being, you know, behind the plate and then having to go out in the field or like, was it kind of something that just almost came natural? Um, parts of it came natural. And it's funny, too, because I actually um, the first year I moved away from catcher, I actually played a little bit of left field, too. And um, if you know anything about me, I am not fast. I, I do not move around very well. Um, so left field was kind of interesting. Um, I liked it, but it was definitely not easy. Uh, but, yeah, first base was a little bit more natural because, you know, you're still your job is to catch the ball. Uh, jobs to keep it in front, scoop it, pick it out of the dirt. So um, parts of that was pretty natural. Um, now I hadn't, I hadn't taken a ground ball since I was probably 12 years old. So that was, uh, that was a little bit different. Probably back when you played for aircraft. Yeah. yeah. So I had to work on that a little bit. Um, but luckily first base, you don't, you don't get very many ground balls in the actual game. So no, I was just uh, I was just happy to be able to continue playing after that injury, and uh, I didn't really care where it was, what position it was, as long as I could still find a way back on the field. Um, that's kind of what I was worried about, and so I was I was glad that I was able to find a spot there. Did you have any like, you know, I feel like some of us kind of have a little bit of doubt almost, like when you have an injury, especially when you have to have to go have a surgery. Then you have to do a medical red shirt. Like, did you have any like a feelings? I don't even know if doubt necessarily is the right word, but like, you know, where you almost feel like, crap, what's gonna happen? Or where you were like, you know what, this is this is part of it, and I just got to fight through it. Um. So at first, um, before I knew kind of how serious it was. So, um, what it ended up being was a uh, I herniated my L four L five, or yeah, L four L five and L five S one discs. Um. And it was pretty much, I kept playing through it because I didn't know. Um, and by the time that I got my MRI and stuff like that, it was beyond repair. You know, it needed surgery. So before I knew what happened, um, I was kind of just like stick to it, play through it. Um, I've never been one to, you know, sit out for anything really. Um, and so after I figured out what it was and after you know a year plus of trying to battle through the pain um there were sometimes a doubt and you know not knowing will i ever be okay again will i ever be able to lift the way i lifted or play baseball the way i played um, and there were times where i could remember my freshman year um 
like after a, after a four game weekend, um, especially on the road when we had to travel um, back two three hours to back to our school, um, you know, I'd lay in bed and I wouldn't be able to sleep because it just hurt so bad. So um, definitely some some downtime, some times of doubt and not knowing, you know, if it would ever feel better because it it felt really bad. And I I was able to play through it. You know, I'm I'm pretty good at playing through pain, especially in sports. I've always been one to play through something minor and something even major like that. But there were definitely some times where, you know, I, I was questioning whether it would feel normal again. So how did you kind of maybe like, how did you kind of go through the process of changing that mindset of, you know, where you, because eventually there has to come a point where you just, you got to keep going. Like kind of take me through that process and the listeners through that process of dealing with the injury and, you know, having the doubt to like almost flipping your mindset to, like you're going to push through it. Yeah. So, so after I had the surgery, um, it was in September of 2017. So my sophomore year, I was out for, I was in bed for probably about a week. Um, and then I was able to start walking around again, start moving around. Um, I actually got back into baseball by the beginning of January of 2018. So it was only about a four month recovery, which is not bad for, you know, back surgery, you know, you hear back surgery and you're like, well, that's going to be pretty serious. You know, you're probably going to be out for a long time. Um, so I was fortunate that it wasn't a serious surgery where they had to, you know, fuse anything together or, you know, put any metal in my back. It was just a small surgery that they did. Um, so after I started getting back into it, um, get back into practice. I was, was able to gain a little bit of confidence, um, you know, getting back out on the field, which really helped. Um, it ended up being pain-free for a while until I don't remember the exact time, but I ended up re-injuring it. Kind of the same pain came back. I'm pretty sure it was with team lifting. So it was, it was weightlifting related again. And, you know, since I already, I already knew what the feeling was, as soon as I felt that, you know, everything started creeping back in, like, you know, I, I can't do this again. It, it can't happen again. I, I was better and now, you know, it's coming back. So um, that was a rough time. But I mean, I, I eventually figured that, you know, if this is going to keep happening over and over, I have to figure out a way to one, deal with the pain and figure out how to prevent the pain and do somewhat of a, a prehab rehab type thing where I need to really start taking my stretching and stuff seriously, my preparation for um, for baseball and practice and stuff like that. So I started, I remember I got a book, I believe it was called, I don't know who wrote it, um, but it's called The Gift of Injury. And it is a book about a, it's either a strongman or a powerlifter who, you know, had pretty serious back injuries um, that required surgery. And it's kind of his journey of how he battled through it and went through the rehab process. And it was a lot on mindset of how he dealt with it and how, you know, just because you're hurt doesn't mean that, you know, everything's over with and you can't do anything anymore. So after, you know, I read that book and I, after reading that book, um, you know, kind of put a different, different mindset in my, in my head, thinking about like, well, I got hurt, right. Couple, one or two times, same injury. I'm learning how to rehab and I'm learning how to prevent it from next time from happening again. 
And that's something that now with my coaching, um, I don't coach weightlifting, but working with uh, younger athletes, I can help them to kind of avoid the same mistakes that I made, especially when they first start getting into lifting, because that's that's how it happened to me, because I didn't really know what I was doing. I just I got in there. I started lifting, thought I just pulled something, but it kind of gave me a good experience to where now I can prevent it from happening to other people and I know what to look for now. So just kind of turning it from, you know, this happened to me, I'm in pain, I can't do anything about it. And then switching it over to, okay, I learned from this. So now I can prevent it from happening to me again. And I can prevent it from happening to anybody that I work with again was a, was a huge thing for me. So. That's like all, all of that that you just said, it's crazy. Like you talked about the, the book, the gift of injury or whatever, but you know, it, it, it really is, it was a gift to you in a lot of different ways. And what I really like is like, you know, one, you learned yourself. All right. I have to do more. Like I have to, which we all, I feel like in high school, none of us yeah. ever stretched and even during stretches, we all half ass stretched. And then like come college, I realized that I was the same way. Like we stretch before lifting, we stretch after lifting, we stretch before, like we stretch like six yeah. times a day. And you know, at first you think it's dumb, but then like all of a sudden you're like the one time, you know, you kind of half-ass those stretches all day. And then it's like, damn, like you pull a hammy, like it's something e like real easy happens, but it, like it taught you, you know, more about yourself, but then you also used it to help benefit others, which I think is really great because it's not just, you didn't just, you know, learn, you learn from it yourself, but you also are helping others you know, maybe like you don't want them to have to learn the yeah. hard way. You're trying to help exactly. them so they don't ever have to actually go through yeah. what you went through. So take me through the process of, you know, why did you decide uh, Ohio Valley? Why what, what was that? I mean, I'm sure you had a handful of different schools knocking at your door wanting you, but why Ohio Valley? So I actually didn't have very many offers, um, if any. Um, coming out of my senior year, I was... I took a visit down to Motlow State, which is a junior college in Tennessee. They're pretty highly ranked in their in their conference or whatever. But I had a friend who went there. He played at Newark Catholic, Hunter Nance. I don't know if you know that name or not. Yeah. Uh, did he, he played what sports? He did played. He play? Did he was he a basketball? Uh, just football, baseball. Uh, smaller guy, left-handed, um, but he played center field for us and um, was actually getting looked at by the uh, Mariners for the MLB draft when he was uh, out of high school. But um, I, I went down there, took a visit, thought, you know, that's that might be where I'm going to go. Wasn't very expensive. It's a community college, you know, a two-year, and then I'd, I'd go play somewhere else. But I took a visit down there, um, not much communication from the coaching staff, and wasn't really sure where I was going to end up. So that kind of fell off the table. And I had an offer from Bluffton, which is a D3 in North Ohio. But I kind of had my mindset on um, D2 or at least somewhere where I could get an athletic scholarship. And I actually ran into Ohio Valley at a tournament in West Virginia that I was playing on for my summer team. The coach was there watching. And th at this point, it was almost July before we go to school. So I didn't, I had no clue where I was going, you know, a month and a half before I was supposed to go somewhere. So um, he saw me play. Um, I didn't really have that great of a game. I remember, I don't even think I got a hit, but 
he talked to me after the game. I ended up going down there next the, the following weekend to do like a private tryout. And um, he offered me the next day and I kind of took it just because that was pretty much all I had. Um, and I was just grateful to get somebody to, you know, pay at least for some of my college. Um, so that's how I ended up there. So you spent, you said five, five years, years there? Yeah. Well, five and a half and then, technically. But, yeah. So what, take me through what the, the, the whole school yeah, just shut down. So, take, I mean, and this is after yeah. COVID as well too. So you had a lot of weird times in the past yeah. few years. Kind of take me through this whole process. So um, I'll kind of walk you through the baseball as well. Um, kind of through the years. So my freshman year, um, I show up. Don't know anybody at the school. Um, there's a couple kids from from local high schools. Like I know there's Pick Central, a couple guys from around here, um, but I didn't know anybody. So it was a fresh start. Um, I kind of liked it. I was rooming with somebody that I had no clue who it was. I just met him. So in the dorms, and then uh, freshman year, we ended up going 28 and 23. So we had a pretty decent season, um, especially compared to OBU wasn't really known for baseball um, or sports in general. It wasn't a very good sports school. Um, I think the previous year they only had 15 wins. Um, so we had a good year. We went to the conference tournament. Uh, I think lost a game, won a game, and then got knocked out. But so right off the bat, you know, I was starting. I started every single game at catcher, all 51 games. And, you know, that's kind of what I was used to in high school. I wasn't sure if I was going to get the starting job. Um, but they didn't really have anybody, and I stepped up. And uh, so that was a good experience right off the bat. And I think that's probably what led me to stay there for so long, even though um, I I enjoyed the people there and my teammates, but the school and the the competition level that we had was just is not the greatest. Um, but uh, we go into my sophomore year, like I said, uh, over the summer I go see the doctor, uh, get the bad news, tell my coach. Um, so I'm out pretty much the whole fall season of my sophomore year. Uh, come back in January, come back into it kind of slow. Um, have a pretty decent year. Didn't catch as many games as the previous year due to my back. So I caught about 30, 35 games out of 50, and we're rolling. Have a pretty decent season, maybe like 500 or a little over. Junior year was the year I redshirted, so I – Sat out the first three or four weeks of the season. Uh, went to the chiropractor two or three times a week during that time. Um, and he was able to get me back to where I could play. Played two weekends and started coming back. And I just, I kind of shut it down. I told the coach, you know, I don't think I can keep going. I don't think it's worth it to try to push it for the rest of the season. And I, I think it's. Well, in the long run, too, like you mess up your yeah. back, that can mess up yeah. a lot of things. So he future. was uh, he was pretty understanding. Um, so I took my I took my year, took the rest of the year off, tried to rehab it. I ended up getting another MRI, and I did re-injure the the spot that I injured before. But I kept going to the chiropractor. I pretty much healed it back up because I this time I knew that you know don't try don't try to push through this because it's going to get worse. So. I was able to stop it in time to where I could uh, do some rehab and, and figure it out to the point where I could, you know, walk around pain free. So did that. Um, senior year is COVID year. So we played like 12 games. And then I just remember the we played on a Wednesday 
we got killed practice Thursday. Um, we're all out running around having fun and we hear about these other schools, you know, like, oh, this conference, they just shut their, their season down. This conference isn't playing anymore. And, you know, at that time I was like, that, that's kind of crazy. Like this, that's not going to happen to us. And then, um, the next morning we had a meeting and they said, Hey, uh, we're going to, we're going to shut it down for the rest of the year. And, you know, at that time I wasn't, I still had an extra year. So I knew I was coming back next year. So it didn't hit me that hard, but like some of my roommates were seniors. That was their last year. So right when we heard the news, it was like, well, I don't know if, you know, what's going to happen. Are they going to let us come back and play? Are they going to give us a year back or, or are we done? You know, and you know, only 12 games in and then calling a meeting saying, Hey, we're done for the rest of the year. That's, that's pretty tough, especially for those guys. Um, but it all worked out. We were able to, um, all of our guys came back the next year to finish. And so that was my, that would be my fifth year. And that was the worst season we've ever had. It was fun with the guys, but, um, we, we went six and 34, which is, um, it's really rough. It's, it's definitely not. Especially coming from high school where you guys are going, yeah. wins, like going it's, to state and winning, you know, winning everything, walking around, like, we're just going to show up and win. And then you get, you go six and 34 and it's like, well, you know, I hope we win this game, but probably not. Um, it's definitely <laughs> tough, but uh, I had fun with the guys on the team. Like I said, some of my roommates were seniors. Um, so it was nice to finish out the, uh, their career. And then because of the COVID year and my red shirt, I had a sixth year to play. So, you know, I was getting old. They were all making jokes like, you know, yeah, Grandpa, Grandpa. Joe's, who's this 25-year-old <laughs> guy playing college. But um, I uh, I ended up coming back to OBU again for my sixth year. And over the summer, our head coach, and this was like late July, texted us and said, um, I'm out. I'm, I'm going to a high school job. I'm not going to be the coach anymore. And that kind of caught us off guard. And by that time, it was kind of too late to figure out how to get to another school. So I just kind of stuck with it. I was getting good scholarship. I wasn't paying anything to go. So I was like, I might as well finish it out. You know, I'm already, I already have all my classes for my degree, finish it out, play one more year of baseball. So we had our old coach step in and practice wasn't serious. It wasn't anything like we had before. Um, not that we were, you know, very successful before that, but yeah, it wasn't taken seriously. And then a week before our final exams, um, it actually came out on the news that our school was like $23 million in debt and that they were, you know, thinking about shutting it down at the semester. And then, uh, you know, that kind of started a bunch of rumors within the school. And uh, we ended up having a meeting that next Tuesday with our principal or our uh, president. And uh, he kind of broke the news to us. And right when that happened, I did. I thought I might be done playing baseball. You know, that was um, that was a big shock because they said, you know, at first we were like, well, maybe we'll still be able to come back and have our spring semester, have our baseball team and finish our season. And then it kind of started sounding like more and more that they were shutting everything down. And so there, there were a couple of weeks where I thought I might be done. And, you know, just like the COVID happened to, the seniors the year before or the two years before 
I thought that, you know, it just happened again. Like they just shut us down and that would be it. But thankfully I ended up talking to a couple schools. Um, and it's funny cause I actually got recruited by more schools as a 24 year old than as an 18 year old. So uh, I got That's reached out to by probably 25 <laughs> or 30 different schools. And I wanted to stay pretty close cause I wasn't trying to, I'm not trying to move across the country for four months and then move back. So uh, my two schools were pretty much Rio Grande, which is here in Ohio and um, Glenville State University, which is about three hours from here into West Virginia. So um, my old coach, the one that had taken that high school job, actually called the coach at Glenville and told him to reach out to me about coming to their school to play. And so he reached out to me and we had actually played against Glenville two or three times. So I played against him. I didn't know the coach personally, but um, he had seen me play and I guess he liked how I played and liked what he saw, even though I had never talked to him. So he kind of made that, my old coach made the connection for me, uh, started talking to the new coach at Glenville. And then that's kind of where I ended up. We, we scheduled a visit and um, my younger brother, I don't know if you know Mason, you probably played against him in football. He was with me at OBU at the time too. And he actually went to Glenville with me. So we kind of stuck together through that whole time, which was, it was nice to have, you know, He's one of my closest friends, been my little brother. He's 21, so we're about three or four years apart. But, um, yeah, he, he was at me, with me at OBU, and then he came with me to Glenville, and we actually lived together in the dorms at Glenville. So that was kind of funny because, yeah, just like back it's at like home. At home. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that actually – Was there as many fights uh, in no, college no, as there we, was back we home? We get along pretty well now. <laughs> Um, I do get on his nerves. I know I can be annoying to him, but that's what big brothers are for. <laughs> but um, yeah, it worked out well. We ended up going, um, as far as our record, we ended up going 35 and 17, made it to the conference championship and the, uh, came from the losers bracket. So we had to win the championship game twice and we won the first one and then just ran out of gas and uh, lost the second one. But yeah, nobody was, nobody was hanging their heads. You know, it was, a, it was our best season by, by far that that program had only won their best season was 19 wins and we won 35. So we had a really, really good year. And, um, I'm, I'm really glad that I, I ended up at a place that I could finish my career like that. So you kind of going yeah. through your, I'm going to go back for a second. You know, you were talking about the COVID and everything. And it like, when you were describing everything, it just reminded me 100% of mm-hmm. what it was like, like with me and football at Ohio Wesleyan, like, you know, I had two of my roommates were seniors and the other one was my uh, he was a junior like me. And like I just like, you know, my roommate came in the one time that one that was a senior and was like, have you heard about all this COVID stuff? And I'm like, yeah, what what, do you, what even is COVID? And like, you, you know, he was like telling me about it. He's like, yeah, Miami's shutting down or something. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. OK, whatever. Like, you know, you don't, yeah. like, nobody thought anything of it. And then all of a sudden, like we went on spring break and they were like, yeah, you guys aren't coming back. Yeah. And we're like, wait, what? <laughs> And then, you know, like I, like you said, like, you know, I still had another year. So, like, then we were already done with our football season. So, it was, like, kind of nice. Like, we, we still got our season in. But, like, I still felt bad for the seniors who, like, didn't get to, mm-hmm. you know, experience graduation. And, like, the, like the, the end of their year or the last, like, what, few months right. of their uh, college career. And, and then I was, like, and then we were coming back. And I remember having a meeting in the summer. And they're, like, yeah, the season's canceled. And I'm, like, yeah. 
damn like like you just feel like everything just got ripped away from you for and like you have literally zero control over it and you're just like well what do you mean like we're not gonna get to play a single game like and it i mean we only got i think my senior year consisted of three games and it was in the spring and we were supposed to have a fourth and it got canceled because too many of their players got covid so it was it, it was rough and like you know going through it and it's crazy because you just, like you said, nobody believed it at first, and then it just kind of happened. But, you know, you, you kind of talk, like, through your career, it kind of like your whole baseball career, it's just like yeah. you're up and down. Like, you went through up and downs, but, like, that's a good comparison. And honestly, that's why sports is so good, and it prepares. Like, that's exactly. why people look to yes. hire athletes and stuff, because they go through all t- different types of adversity. They deal with ups and downs. They They, like, they know how to handle those types of things and it's crazy like just to hear you and you're still in a positive ma- like manner about all of it which is awesome too because like you know you went through mm-hmm. yeah a hell and back in a way like you, you dealt with yeah. a lot but still managed to keep pushing through and i don't even know what exactly your awards were but i know you had plenty of them the awards um yeah, yeah i don't i mean i i'm sure i i paid attention to them at the time but i don't you know i don't I don't collect them and you know, sit back on them and say, <laughs> you know, look what I did in high school. Um, I will shout out. I will shout out one one stat I had this year because um, it's kind of funny. Um, I was number one in the nation for hit by pitch. Um, I got hit thirty one times. Thirty one. Yeah. <laughs> How many so, was it? Thirty one. Fifty some games hit thirty one times. So that was that was funny. I stand on top Damn. of the plate. I wear everything. So. I always loved back, like kind of going back way back. I remember because you always had the curveball, which in yeah. Little League, and nobody really had a curveball like you in Little League. And I remember like seeing people like, you know, crowd to play, crowd to play, and you throw that curveball <laughs> yeah. and they turn because they think it's about to hit them and they get right in the strike zone. And I'm just right. I'm sitting behind the plate because usually I was the one catching yeah. for you. And I was like, oh, this is great. I love when I have yeah, a awesome. number two. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by roughneckspodcast.com. If you want to support the podcast, then head over to roughneckspodcast.com and grab you some of that Roughnecks merch. We have everything from t-shirts, long sleeves, sweatshirts, hats, and many more. Stay up to date on the website for new merch coming every couple months. You can place an order and it'll get sent directly to your door, and I don't even take any of the money from it. The money gets put right back into the podcast to continue to improve it for you. If you can't afford to buy some merch this time, then simply just Subscribe to the newsletter and it'll keep you up to date on all the new things that are coming. I appreciate all of the support you guys give. It doesn't go unnoticed. Let's get back to today's episode. So we're going to kind of move on to like, you know, post-college stuff. And I feel like some of it maybe uh, started in college, but yeah. you're, you're a little bit of a catching coach yourself. And yeah, you got, I believe you started big three catching. Yeah. Is that yeah, your, my, like your uh, thing? Kind of take so me through big like three catching, um, kind of started and officially started um, January of 2021 um, as the, as the brand and the name and stuff. But um I started giving one-on-one catching lessons my after my sophomore year summer. Um, so it was after I had surgery, um, and I remember I worked at uh, you know Big League Sports or Big League Athletics 
Um, it's in Newark, the batting cage, putt-putt place. Um, it. So we had, I had yeah. worked there, like front desk, just a high school job. Um, but they had guys in there that did, uh, you know, hitting, pitching, catching lessons. Um, and I had never really thought about doing it. But um, as as I got older, got to college, I thought, you know, that might be something that I'd like to do. Um, and so I wasn't sure if I wanted I wasn't sure who to reach out to um, or where to get started. Uh, but I ended up reaching out to um, a guy named John Piles, who coached me in um, like a summer all star team. Um, he is I think he just turned 31, but he went to Newark High School. Um, his his stepbrother so Brandon Linger. I don't know if you know that name, but um, yeah, John. He's, uh, that one doesn't he's always been around this area, so you might have you might have seen him or heard about him. Um, but he was working at a training facility, baseball training facility, and uh, so I I reached out to him to see if I could get in and you know maybe start with with some catching lessons for you know whoever was in there. Um, and I started off, you know, super small, just a couple guys. Um, and like when you start anything, you, you don't have any idea what you're doing. You know, I thought it, I, I, I knew, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I knew I catching, but I, I did not know how to coach it. Um, yeah. It's two different things. That's where I've had people ask me like about, and it's no different than football or even people ask me about like, you know, they want to start a podcast and I'm like, well, I, Man, I just figured yeah. it out on the fly. Yeah, I that's, still don't that's where a lot of I'm people, and, and we can talk about that later with the motivation stuff, but um, a lot of people think that, you know, if you see somebody successful that, you know, they got it all figured out. And even if it's not successful, but it looks it looks successful from the outside looking in, you think, oh, they, they know exactly what they're doing. Everything's perfect, but that's never really how it is. Um, and, you know, I don't know anything about podcasts or anything, but I, I mean, from from what I see from you, it looks like you're doing a good job. And you might think, well, I have no clue what I'm doing, but. Um, <laughs> right. I like to think I have somewhat of an idea, but I still like, there's times where people ask me certain questions. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that that's way above like where I'm exactly. thinking. I yeah. don't, I don't but, think um, that deep. About yeah, getting it. back to catching. Um, when you first start out, you don't know what you're doing. Um, like you said, you kind of figure it out as you go. Um, since I've been doing it, I feel like I've just gotten better as the time goes on, as I do it more. Um, and that pretty much goes for anything, whether you're trying to practice sports or you're trying to get better at anything in life, as long as you keep doing it and keep trying and keep figuring out better ways to make it happen, um, you're going to get better eventually. It might not happen right away, but um, it's going to happen eventually. Uh, but as for catching, I started out 2017. I was still in school, so I would you know, go back to school, come back home, do some lessons, go back to school, play my season, come back home for the summer. Um, and then John ended up opening his own. He owned it with a partner and he ended up going, going away and opening his own building. Um, and his building's still in Newark, um, just at a different location. So I kind of traveled with him and went to his new building and have been doing lessons there since he moved. Um, that might have been 2018. Um, and, you know, it was something I would do when I came home from school. I had a handful of, you know, younger kids that I would teach. Uh, I started getting into coaching with 
John's team, which is the Ohio Hitman. He's got like a summer organization. So started getting into coaching. I coached um, 16U, then the next year 17U. And then I moved down to 13U last year. And this year I'm with 14U. So I've been with two teams of four different age groups. Uh, and then throughout that time, I still did my catching stuff. I, it has grown into um, I've been working with all of the catchers and the whole organization during their practices. So I'll come in and, you know, they're they're there for practice and he'll say, all right, catchers go down with Coach Mitch and I'll, I'll take them for their practice. That way, you know, infielders can do their thing, hitter, hitters can do their thing. And then I'm working with the catchers, um, you know, small groups of two to four, two to five. Um. So that was that was kind of helping me grow, and then I ended up doing a um, I did a summer camp and a, and a winter camp, I think, at one point. Um, but I would I would try to do one to two camps a year, at least when I was home from school, with um, anywhere from like eight to twenty catchers, and that was like I had an age eight to twelve group, and then I had a thirteen to eighteen like older kid group, and then eventually. I said, you know, I think this is something that I can do, you know, full time as my as my full time job. And um, something I didn't mention uh, when I was home from school, I worked at a place called Creative Housing and it was in Columbus. It was pretty much a maintenance. I did maintenance on houses. Um, we owned houses for people with disabilities and then our crew would do the maintenance inside the houses. Um, so I did that from 2017 all the way up until 20 the end of the end of 2020 the end of 2020 I think um I, I'm starting to lose track all the years but um I ended up uh, as as soon as I started <laughs> this uh, big three catching I told him you know I'm I'm gonna try to do my own thing I'm gonna try to do this full time um and so up until that point I would work from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. and then go do catching lessons from 5 to 8 and then come home, go to sleep, wake up, go to the gym and do it again. Um, and that was um, it was good. It, it kept me busy. But um, I've been doing this full time. Well, you know, while I'm home from school full time for about a year now. And so it, it's given me a lot more free time and a lot more time to develop actually coaching and um, taking videos and breaking them down and putting a lot more effort into the lessons. Even when I'm not there with the kids, I'm back at home working and, and figuring out, you know, how can I make their next lesson better to where I'm not wasting time or I'm not, you know, going in there without a plan and I can actually give them, you know, more valuable time than just kind of going there after work and saying, okay, uh, let's work on this today. You know what I mean? So like we said, I've, learned a lot and I think I'm continuing to learn and I feel like every time every week that goes by and I'm doing lessons I'm getting better and I'm learning how to communicate to um, you know not just different age groups of kids but different personalities of kids because you know you I'll deal with you know kids that don't say a word kids that are super shy which is how I was when I was little and then kids that just want to talk to me the whole time um, so it's it's been interesting, but it's definitely something I like doing and uh, something that I think I can make a pretty big thing.
that's what I was going to ask kind of about like the different ages and like the different types of personalities with kids is like kind of managing that. And like, you almost have to learn, yeah. like, I'm sure it doesn't take long to kind of figure out what type of, and some of them may open up like through time, which makes sense. But like, you know, kind of learning like, and like you have to coach almost those different. Cause I remember I actually recorded an episode with somebody and then that recording yeah. ended up, bleeding itself somehow so i'm that. missing yep. that recording which is just wonderful all of my recording actually yeah it was yeah. great it, it was not what i wanted to have happen i texted her and was like um so you're not gonna believe this i lost the recording but she was you know she was a she's a lacrosse coach and that's one of the things she was talking about was you know like that was the hardest thing to learn is like to, for her personally she was like i had to manage like different personalities like i can't coach this person mm. as hard as i may want to like may have coached myself or like but i can do it to this person like you have to learn the different coaching styles for each unique person and it's just something like how did, did yeah, you have so that that's now, like, something that's kind of interesting that? because i coach like i said i coach the 14u um I don't, i'm not the head coach not yet. I think I will be next summer, um, but I kind of help out. But I have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of say what goes on uh, with the team. But it's it's a lot different when you're coaching one on one versus when you're coaching, you know, a team of 12 kids. Um, so one, I enjoy both. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily better or worse at one or the other because um, they're both pretty different. But I would say one on one, you definitely have to learn the kids personalities and how they take coaching because one i'm never going to be a coach that's just going to sit there and scream at you you know i don't think i i'm not i don't yell i can't remember the last time i've yelled maybe in like in baseball getting pumped up but i can't remember the last time i've yelled at somebody you know that's just not not who i am and i think it's important to be yourself when you're coaching um, you can't try to look at somebody else and how they coach and, you know, try to copy that exactly. Um, you can take stuff that other coaches do and apply it to you and use it in your own way. But um, I don't think you can. Try to... No. And, try and to I feel like that's something that I've done not. a good job of is, is just trying to be myself. And, you know, I feel like I'm pretty different from a lot of coaches, at least from what I've seen and played for. Um but I think that um, most of the kids, from what I've heard and from, you know, how they react to me, that, that most of them like me and and take what I say and actually try to apply it, um, which is, is the biggest thing in coaching. You, if the kids aren't going to listen to you, then, you know, what, whatever you're saying is just out the door. It doesn't it doesn't really matter if you can't get it across to them in a way that they can understand and and take it and apply it to whatever they're doing, then it, it doesn't matter. So I don't know if that answered the question I kind of rambled on. One of the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't, I mean, yeah, that's usually how these podcasts yeah. go. It's just, sometimes we even forget what the, like I've done, how right. that, we were just talking and we're like, wait, where did we even start with that? <laughs> but one of the things that like you talked about, you know, you didn't know what you were doing at first. And, but like that, as a business like a business owner or somebody that starts a business whatever like you that that's how it goes that and that's with really anything but the biggest thing is like just start because nobody you're never gonna have it all figured out and if you sit there and wait for like the perfect time to you know do this perfect time to start a business perfect perfect time time. to get back in the gym whatever it is there is no such thing as a perfect time 
like the perfect time is now like and you're, you're gonna yeah. start you're gonna try you're gonna fail you just gotta keep going that's where people usually like that's where things turn south that's where a lot of businesses fail that's where things like happen that you they when they fail that first time when they run across the little bit of adversity or that speed bump like they just want to you know kind of give up but like nothing good comes out of quitting so you just have to keep pushing through i promise there's a light at the end of the tunnel like you know a lot of people don't believe it but like you've seen it i've seen it with the podcast like there's a hundred thousand people like there's millions of people that can attest to you know the business that they started or like i mean like apple started in a garage like these kind of things like things don't happen overnight you have to keep you have to put in the time, put in the work and like, you know, take those failures. And I've said it a million times on this podcast, like you will learn more from your failures than you ever will your successes. So just use those failures to your advantage, those mess ups. And like, it's not even necessarily, it could be the minor thing, like just a little, you know, Oh crap. You know, I lost a hundred dollars here because I did something that I shouldn't have like, whatever it is, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah, just exactly. use, learn from like, those mistakes and just keep um, going. I don't know when this kind of flipped. Cause I would, I would used to, I used to, you know, I'd get so upset if I didn't get a hit every time I went up to a bat. Um, and, and that's a terrible way to play baseball, but I feel like I did a pretty good job. At least I've noticed in the past few years of playing just, you know, if I don't get on or I don't get a hit, you know, whatever, I'll get it the next time. It's, it's not really that big of a deal, especially when you're playing a game. You know, it's not like this is life and my business failed and I have no money. Like this is just, you know, it's just a game. It doesn't really matter if, you know, I didn't get on or I didn't get the hit that I need to. Um, I just try again next time. And if I would never, if I would, every time I didn't get a hit or didn't get on said, you know, I'm, I'm terrible. Why, why am I even here? Why am I playing? That's, that's never going to get you anywhere. Um, and I feel like I've done a good job of, of just letting things roll off and, and figure out how to do it better the next time I do it. So that's like the, I mean, that's the next play mentality that we had in football. It's the same exact thing. If you, if you like, and that's the thing, if you hold a grudge, if you sit there like against yourself and you're like, man, you know, I, I suck. I, I struck out this time, whatever it is. And then yeah. you go up to the plate the next time, it's probably going to happen again. But if you get have that opposite mindset of like, all right, I messed up this time. I, I didn't get it. Yeah. I didn't get the hit. I still have another chance. There's still another opportunity. So like take that next exactly. opportunity and continue like trying to grow from that. You, you can't yeah. sit there and sulk. Like it's like the five minute rule that everybody yeah. has. Like take five minutes, be pissed off about it and then move on from it. But like sometimes yeah. you don't even, you can't even take five minutes. And that's, that's I mean, that's one of the things that I think we learn as we get older. Yeah, Cause like when is. we're younger, it's harder to let things go. And then the order yeah, we get, it's like, you don't realize why did how, I hold on to that really for so is. long? Like, why did I yeah. care that? And it's like high school drama and that kind of stuff too. It's like, you realize it doesn't matter, but it's the same way with life too. Like you gotta, you can't sit there and like, you had a bad day. If you stay in a bad mood the rest yeah. of the day, tomorrow's probably going to be another bad day. If you're like, you know what? I had a shitty yeah. day at work. It's going to be a better day tomorrow. If you wake up and you're dreading it and you're just like, God, no. this is going to suck. You're, you're not going to have a good day. I've noticed it. Like, heck, I woke up this morning. I mean, I, I'm i guilty of it still. I still do it. I'm not saying that yeah. I'm not because I woke up this morning and heard the pouring rain and I work outside. I was like, this is going to be miserable. But then like we're driving to the yeah. job and it's getting yeah. sunny and I'm like, all right, that, now this puts me in a better mood. Like, But it's if you have to have that mindset 
of, you know, it, right. it's going to be okay. You're yeah, going to exactly. move on from it. It's going to be fine. Uh, so I wanted to talk too, cause you're a little bit of, oh, not a little bit, a lot of bit yeah. of a little old school gym member. I've had a handful of them on here. Yeah. I've, uh, uh, I don't Jake know if you know who he is. Jacob Barvel has been on here. Um, and okay. then I've also had, I've had Dustin on here as well. So, so I've had a, a little bit of the old school on here. Um, kind of take me through, tell the people who don't know okay, what the so crew I will is. Start, tell them what um, it is. Kind of at the beginning, um, the old school gym used to be, um, if you're familiar, yeah, right by Watkins, um, kind of right down, right down right uh, 40, right on that road, um, right by the freeway. So that building was there for 12 years. Um, I didn't really find out about it until I was maybe um, sophomore, junior in high school. And my buddy, uh, you might know Tyler York. He used to be a Watkins guy. Yep. Yeah. Every now and then, um, he lifted there with Dustin, I think. And uh, a couple of times he took me in there to um, work out in there. Just those first time I've ever been, ever been there. I didn't even know it was a gym that was that building right there. But, yeah, he took me in there a couple of times. Um, never really came in after that. Uh, starting my senior year, I wanted to take lifting a little bit more seriously. Um I wanted to get into lifting for strength and to get better at baseball and um, hopefully get stronger before I go to college. And my buddy from high school um, showed me this uh, program on, I don't know if it was on muscle farm or on bodybuilding.com. Um, you might've heard of it. It's uh, squat every day by Corey. Um, and, you know, he was like, this looks mm -hmm. pretty, pretty crazy, pretty intense. Uh, I think we should try it. And I said, okay, um, let's, you know, let's start working on it. And I don't remember the exact day, but I remember probably late September, early October. Um, I bought a membership to old school. And I think the first week I started going like after school, after practice or something like that. And I, right away, I was just like, this is not, this is not working. I don't want to lift at night. I don't want to lift after I've done everything all day. Um, and I was, I was following Corey at the time on, uh, like he did Snapchat stories and Instagram and stuff like that. Um, and I saw he was lifting there in the mornings and I said, well, if I can get, you know, I only live maybe five minutes, 10 minutes from the gym across the freeway. So I said, if I can get there, um, before school and get a lift in and go back home and shower and get back to school, uh, I'm going to do that. Cause I'd rather just knock it out, knock it out in the morning, get it out of the way. Um, so I would wake up at probably three 30 at the time. Um, get, try to get there like four o'clock. And at that time, Corey was coming in at like five 30 maybe. Um, so I was actually beating him. So I started the 4am crew before it became the 4am crew. <laughs> Um, which is funny. Um, but I was in there um, <laughs> following his program. Um, I don't really speak up much. So I didn't like when I saw him in there, I didn't, you know, go up and talk to him like he was a celebrity, even though that's at the time, that's what I thought of him. You know, it's some famous guy that's on Instagram and bodybuilding.com. And <laughs> I actually remember DMing him something, something like uh, I'm going to start working out at old school or something. You know, maybe I'll see you there or something like that. Um, 
And so I just started showing up, um, doing his program, lifting, and eventually he started to notice, um, one, that I was getting stronger, and two, that I was there every day before school. And, you know, it's not, it's not many times that you see kids in high school, especially working out at 4 a.m. before they have to go to school, because before that, um, and you can ask, you know, anybody that knows me, I hated waking up, especially for school. I, you could not get to the bed. So, yeah. Oh, I still do. Yeah. I still do. I'm better at it than I ever was, but God, waking up early. But see, that was my thought. I'm like, I was like you, like, I'd rather work out in the morning because yeah. one, it just makes your mood better for the entire day. And you, cause you wake up and like the first thing you do is you accomplish something and you feel good about it. And then like, but that was, and like, cause working out after work or after yeah, school or whatever, exactly. you're just like, man, like, I just want to, I don't, I just want to go relax. Like it, it's hard, but you know, waking yeah. up, yeah, once, but once you get into that routine, go it kind of becomes um, second nature. Yeah. You know, I hated waking up and especially at three 30, that's tough. It doesn't matter. So when do you go to so bed? So I try to like, go to what, bed what's now. The gym has moved to Granville, and it's a half-hour drive for us now. So we try to leave by 3.15, and I try to wake up. I I do wake up at 3 o'clock, and I try to go to bed by 9, 8.30 if I don't have anything going on. Um, I I don't have any lessons tomorrow, so I'm going to get a nap in tomorrow afternoon. But, but yeah, um, I wake up at 3, try to go to bed by 9, try to get at least six hours. um, And where I was going was – um, you know, even waking up at three thirty is still challenging. It doesn't matter how many months in a row you do it or, you know, how experienced you are at it. If you, if you go to bed and you wake up at three thirty and it's dark out, it's tough to get up. And I just remember maybe two weeks into it, I woke up at three o'clock or yeah, three o'clock or three thirty or whatever. And I just remember, you know, opening my eyes and just saying, wow, I'm really excited to go to the gym. Like, I cannot wait to go in there and lift. And um, and that's kind of where it all started. And then that kind of continued. I lifted every day or, well, every weekday um, through high school, even through baseball season. I was in there at 4 a.m., even on game days. Um, and I feel like that's really what got me into college. I was going to play somewhere. I knew I was going to – I was good enough to play somewhere. Um but I feel like the strength that I got in those four or five months was really what helped me, at least once I got to college, become successful, at least as a hitter, because I was not, I was maybe 170 going into my senior year, no muscle, just, you know, athletic. And I could, I could play defense. I wasn't a great hitter, but um, yeah, I feel like the gym really helped me with that. But uh, going on to the 4 a.m. crew, like I said, I was the kind of the first one. And then you you had guys that started to move from other states to come train, just just to come live here and train at 4 a.m. Um, so it kind of started 5.30, 5 o'clock, 4.30, and down to 4 o'clock. Um, and we had more guys moving in here, training with the crew. Um, and, you know... Guys would come and go, but we, we'd always get new guys coming in. And then some guys, you know, they'd been there for a couple of years. They take a new job somewhere else. Um, it's always been guys coming and going, but we have a group of guys that have been there for um, probably five or six years now since it all started. Um, but moving into the, um, the new building, they bought it 
Uh, about a year ago, maybe a year, a couple months ago. Um, it's in Granville, actually, right next to that Wendy's on 16. It's just a huge white building. Um, they now have moved their the gym, old school gym, their Max Effort Muscle Company, and all of their podcast equipment and company all into one building. So it's it's pretty cool to see what they've done from a business standpoint to where they could get all of their companies in one building and not have to run all over the place. Um, and I've seen the benefits from that for them from a business standpoint of just how much more efficient they can be. Um, but as far as the 4AM crew, <coughs> once it moved out to Granville, um, it became an invite only. Uh, it's not open to the public. You have to be invited by Corey or Dustin or, you know, be an athlete that they train to, to come in there and lift. Um, and so obviously I'd been part of the crew off and on cause I had to go back to school, but yeah, I was welcome to come back to the, uh, the new location. And, um, it's about 20 or 25 guys that lift in there. And, um, you know, we kind of joke some guys, um, some guys sleep in sometimes. Well, we had a guy that's usually always there before four o'clock. Um, past couple of days, he showed up at like four ten, four fifteen, and the whole place he walks in, the whole place just starts clapping. You know, just making fun for being ten minutes late, and you know, ten minutes late at four a.m. Right, so he's not really late for anything. But um, it's just funny because you know we all expect yeah. each other to show up and uh, and put the work in. So it's it's a really great group of guys. Um, you know, anywhere from we got a couple high school kids now that they're out of school and all the way up to, um, I think, Todd, you know, Todd Dunkel, he's an old guy. He uh, the head coach for Columbus Academy Baseball, uh, but he is probably 55 and he's one of the strongest guys in there. And, um, you know, we got everybody from 18 to 55 showing up almost every day and, and putting the work in. So that's kind of the. It's kind of the 4 a.m. crew and how it got started. I mean, it's pretty much so I've so I've heard I've never been, but like I've heard yeah. like, you know, it's no joke. Like if you want to come in and slack off, you'll get kicked out. Like they don't care. Like they, they come in. If you go in early, you're there to yeah. put in work. Yeah, it's, it's not um, like you're not there. It's to definitely just, intense. You know, half-ass workout. Um, now don't get me wrong. We like to have fun and we joke around with each other. Um, but when it's time to lift and it's time to take a big lift, um, everybody stops like squat, deadlift, bench. If somebody's taking a big weight that, you know, is either more than they've ever taken or, you know, it's close to a PR for them, everybody in the gym stops what they're doing and they look, you know, everybody is focused on that lift. So it's not like, you know, you got people around doing all kinds of different exercises and, you know, people doing their own thing. We come in there, we do Corey's program. Uh, we test his programs that he puts out on his website. So Every every time he puts out a one of his get stacked workouts, we move on to the next month that's not released to the public, and we test all of his stuff before it goes out. So you know if we're you know putting in half work and not really helping him out with his programming, um, you know that's that's doing a disservice to him, and we're not really helping him out. So um, everybody kind of helps everybody, and everybody's there for the same reason to get better. Um, and it's just a really great environment where it doesn't matter. Like I'm pretty weak right now because when we go through baseball season, we don't lift much. So, you know, I, I've been strong at points. I was going to say, cause I feel like a lot of people like don't combine lifting mm -hmm. and baseball. Like it's not a, 
I feel like like you're especially the four a.m. Yeah, type so of lifting we, in baseball. I, I feel like it's not something that, that necessarily collides um, with each other during baseball season. I would just be blowing out injuries all over the place. Um, there is a way to do it to where you can keep some of your strength, um, but you have to have a trainer that knows what they're talking about, knows how to offload. You know, based on okay, you guys had a tough weekend, so we're gonna we're gonna take it a step back this week, stuff like that. Um, and it seems like at least at the two schools I was at, nobody really knows how to scale it based on, you know, how you're feeling. So um, we ended up cutting out lifting like the last four weeks of season because we had almost all of our starters dealing with an injury. Um, myself included, I almost tore my hamstring. So, um, so we kind of cut it out the last, you know, two months. I didn't really lift any weights. So coming back in, I knew I was going to be, um, I was going to be pretty weak, and I knew that coming in. It happens every baseball season. I'll come back home, try to get my strength back, go back to school, lose it, and then come back and try to get back. But um, as I was saying, uh, it doesn't really matter if you can bench 185 or if you're benching 405, which we have multiple guys that do. Um, it doesn't matter. If it's your max weight or you're giving your best effort, um, people are going to stop and look and help you out and – you know, give you pointers on what you're doing wrong, what you can do better and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, definitely if you, if anybody listening who doesn't yeah. know what old school gym is, you yeah. need to just look it up, look I it up so. on Instagram. Uh, I think they're join a real gym on, uh, is that their Instagram name? I believe definitely it's a, I mean, you know, it's people around the world <laughs> yeah. know what that gym is. It's not just the, some little dinky gym in Potasco, well, now Granville, but like it's like you know Arnold's been to that gym, you know Braxton Miller, like they've had a ton of you know big time names in that gym. Um, an awesome thing that awesome program that they got going on over there. Um, Dustin's also an awesome guy. I mean, having him on here, it was really cool to talk to. But um, I got a few final questions before we get into the best segment of the podcast. But right. you know, I like to ask all of my guests this one question, and it's kind of a fun one. And it's you know it makes you think a little bit too. But if you could go back in time 16. and tell your sixteen-year-old so, self one thing, sixteen, um, I would probably go back and say, you know, I, well, one, I would probably tell myself to get into lifting at that point instead of waiting until I was eighteen, because you know you can never start too early. Um, but um, at sixteen, I would probably tell myself, you know. Most of this stuff, school-wise and um, friendships, relationships, you know, girlfriends, none of it's really going to matter come in a few years. Um, and at that point, I probably cared a little more about that stuff than I should have. Um, just just thinking like, oh, this is the biggest deal in the world, like this is my whole life right now. Um, I'd probably just say not to take things too seriously. And... Um, try to let things roll off your shoulder, especially, um, if, if stuff doesn't work out for you, whether you wanted it to, or you thought it should, um, I'd probably just say, you know, take it easy. Don't, don't take things too seriously. And, um, you know, everything's going to work out. So it's crazy how like at 16 in high school, like even, I mean, even until we graduate high school, we, mm -hmm. you know, you always have those friends like, oh man, we're going to you think you're going to be around them forever. Like you, you, that it's never, you're never going to separate. And then like two yep. years later, you're like, I haven't talked to them in like, you know, six months. Like you don't really like you distance and it's not necessarily a bad yeah. thing because everyone takes their own paths and you don't want to, 
almost hold anybody back. Like do your own thing. But like we hold on to those relationships, those friendships, whatever they are so much when we're young that we don't even, and you know, everybody always tells us like, it's not going to matter in five years. Like it's really not, you're not even going to remember. Like I can't even, I'll see somebody and I'm like, I don't even remember. Like, I know I went to school with them, but I don't even remember their name. Like, and it's somebody that I had a class with like every, like I I literally sat right beside or something like you don't, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't, everybody takes different paths and that's the best thing for us. We need to take different paths. Otherwise you almost get stuck and it, I, I don't know. That's always been one of my biggest fears getting like stuck where, yeah. you know, you grow up. Not that I don't like Patasco and not a giant fan of it, but, but like you just don't want to get stuck. I didn't want to get stuck, you know, where I grew up. I wanted to be able to expand and grow, like go and do my own thing and basically like do what I want to okay. do. And, you know, it's, you can't hold on to yeah, those relationships when you're that it. young. It is the hardest thing to understand <laughs> as a 16 year old. But yeah. you will notice yeah. in like five years later, you're going to be like, wow, that really did not matter one bit. But this moves us into the best segment of the podcast, which is Motivation Monday. <laughs> Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where a lot of guests we give the Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump to set the tone for their week as they listen on Monday morning. Now, I know I'm calling this Motivation Monday, but this episode is actually coming out tomorrow because I'm a little behind. So this is Motivation Wednesdays to get you All through right, hump so there. So something to get what you do you got for motivation? Week, we'll call it Motivation Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, Cole told me about this, uh, this segment. So um, I tried not to write anything down because I don't want anything to be like scripted. Um, but I just wrote a few bullet points down just so I wouldn't blank out when he asked me. Um, so I got a few here um, and I'll just start off kind of listing them. The first one I wrote down is um, have at least one non-negotiable thing that you do every day. Um, and for me right now, uh, I'm sure you've seen on my Instagram, um, I'm lunging 400 meters every day. Um, I'm doing it at walk-ins. Um, did the first couple of days on the track and then I've moved over to the football field. So um, if you can't really uh, kind of visualize 400 meters, if you're not a track person um, on the football field, it's goal line to the back of the end zone, back to the goal line, back to the end zone, and then back to the goal line is 400 meters or it's 440 yards. Um, so doing that, uh, if you've never done it before, one, you need to try it. Two, um, doing that is just as physically hard as it is mentally. Um, just the, the mental strength to go and do it every day because it is physically hard and it's not something that, you know, I like going to the gym and, and hanging out with the guys and lifting. And, you know, I, I spend about two hours in the gym just cause it's, you know, it's fun to hang around and talk to those guys and lift some weights. But, um, on my way home, I pass walk-ins and, you know, Right now, it's only about day, I'm in like week three, maybe day like 15, 16. Um, So it's pretty easy. I'm on the start of a new streak. And that's always easy when you first get, you know, you get rolling, you're feeling good. Um, But, you know, I'm sure I'm already thinking about it um, when winter comes and it's, you know, a foot of snow on the ground. Am I going to drive by and say, uh, uh, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just do it at home inside where it's warm or, you know, maybe uh, I'll skip today and I'll do it tomorrow, which is not going to happen. I'm going to make it to a year. Um, but do one thing 
per day that is is one mentally tough to do or physically tough to do um and i think that'll it'll make you think um that's a lot of the time that i spend listening to podcasts is when i'm lunging it takes me anywhere from from really pushing it like seven minutes and if i'm just cruising like 10 to 13 minutes um so it's just it's not even long it's less than 15 minutes a day that i do something that's challenging that i have to make myself do every day or i can't you know i can't move on i can't skip it um so i'd say that's that's one big thing and then the other one kind of these all kind of tie into each other um, but the next one is consistency um because doing something just one day when you feel good and then the next day you say uh i don't really feel good so i'm not going to do it today um that's not really going to get you anywhere whether it's in life or business or sports you know or even just taking like in football oh uh, well, i'm going to take it easy this play or you know i'm going to run my route you know half speed because you know they're not going to throw me the ball in this play or whatever um that's never really a good way to live anything sports life business um having the ability to tell yourself okay even though i don't feel good i'm gonna get this done because it needs to get done today and i need and i know that if i do it consecutively and don't miss that's what's going to add up to you know my ultimate goal whatever that may be um just being consistent with it not missing um Corey says uh one of his quotes is um he doesn't do anything special he just doesn't miss and you know i can't remember either he's on vacation out of the country or he can physically not get out of bed that's the only two times he will not go to the gym um he doesn't miss and you know that's why he's been successful over the past 20 years that he's been you know doing what he's doing um so the next thing kind of ties in like i said uh i read that i'm doing something uncomfortable so that was for me it's lunges right now um back when i was in school and I did this for almost two years. I didn't really keep track uh, like I am with the lunges. Um, but like during baseball season, I can't lunge 400 meters every day. I'm going to be smoked for practice or games, right? So um, I, I told myself, you know, I can't do something physically hard, but um, I'm going to do something mentally challenging. So I was looking up stuff I could do that, you know, wouldn't tire me out for games or practices. And, um, you know, I, I ran into uh, cold showers. So I did cold showers um, almost two years, and that's any time I showered, it was cold. Barely, you know, barely turn the dial till it's just enough water pressure to come out, and then you're in it. And um, now, looking back on it, I feel like I couldn't do it again. But I mean, I did it for almost two years. It was. Uh, I got to a point where it was just like I'd get in the shower. You know how you. You turn the shower on before you get in, let it warm up for, you know, five minutes, hop in a hot shower. Um, I just got in, no water on, turn the dial a little bit and let it run cold for the whole time. And uh, it was definitely challenging, um, not necessarily physically. I mean, I guess physically because the cold water is uncomfortable. Uh, it was more mentally challenging to say, OK, I'm going to get this cold shower. And I mean, this was during the winter, too. I remember one time I took an ice bath after uh, after a lift or a practice or whatever, and I hadn't showered yet. And I had to say, okay, I just took an ice bath for 20 minutes, and now I got to come home and take a freezing cold shower. Um, and you know, I thought about, okay, well maybe I'll just I'll wait till I warm up, or 
I'll just wait till tomorrow to take a shower in the morning or something like that, or I'll just turn the dial up, you know, just a little bit more. So it's a little bit warmer, but, um, just having the, the strength to keep it, you know, set, set a goal and say, you're going to do something and keep it at that and don't change it. Um, I think is really important. Uh, the other thing I wrote down is practice what you preach. And this is a big one for me, uh, especially with the guys I coach. Um, I cannot, I'm not an athlete anymore, but that doesn't mean, you know, I can just go off and I think nutrition ties into sports and lifting and training ties into sports. And even though like most of the guys that I train are, are pretty young to where they're probably not lifting or, you know, worrying about if they're eating too much candy. Um, but I can't, you know, I have to, I feel like I have to take care of myself and be physically ready to play to where I could say, okay, I can put the gear on and I could do this. All the stuff we're doing in training, I could do it myself. Um, and I, I feel like I can't let myself get to a point where I'm not able to do what I'm asking them to do. Cause if I'm asking them to do it, I feel like I should be able to do it myself. Um, and it's hard with sports because obviously I'm, I'm coaching now. I'm not playing anymore. But um, at least from a physical standpoint, I should be able to do it and, and not to ask them to, you know, we don't we don't do a whole lot of running. But I can't say, OK, you have to run a mile in six minutes and I can only run a mile in like 12 minutes, which, you know, whatever. I, I'm not going to run a mile, so I don't know how long it would take. But you know what I mean? I can't I can't expect them to do something that I'm not going to expect for myself. Um and that, that goes with, like, showing up early, you know, doing their stretches at home when I'm not with them or doing some drills at home when I'm not there to coach them, um, stuff like that. So, And the last one I wrote down was take accountability. And I feel like this is big for not just in sports, say, football, baseball, whatever. You, you mess up a play or you make an error and it's your fault and you know it's your fault. You know, don't say, oh, well, you know, it took a bad hop or I wasn't ready or, you know, this umpire's terrible. You know, that's why I struck out. He made a bad call. Life is so much easier when you just say, you know what, that was my fault. I'm not going to let it happen again. Just take take ownership for what happens. And and sometimes like in business, if you own a business and you, you know, you employ people and, you know, something happens to where maybe they don't do exactly what you wanted. You can't say, okay, well, that's, you know, that's all their fault. How could they do that? I think it's important to say, okay, well, maybe I didn't teach them or I didn't show them exactly how I wanted it to be. And so I can't really put all the blame on them and not take any responsibility for, you know, for what they did, because at the end of the day, it's my company and I'm in charge of, you know, showing my employees or whoever's working for me how I want things to be done. And if they don't get done, then that must be on me. And I've heard that a lot from coaches in college. You know, we have a bad game and they say after the game, you know, we lose or whatever. Um, they'll say, you know what, it's it's my fault. I should have prepared you guys better. Um, we should have worked on this more in practice this week. Um, I'll, I'll put together something that will, you know, better prepare us for the next time. Um, and I think that's, tough to do for a lot of people because um, taking responsibility is not easy and just blaming circumstances or blaming other people for what happened um, for why something didn't work for you is really easy. It's the easy way out. 
Um, and I feel like people sometimes get used to that. It's just, you know, putting the blame on other people and saying, well, if this wouldn't happen, then, you know, I would have this, or if I was able to be here, I can do this and, and just stuff like that. So, so I'll just leave it with that. Um, life is so much easier when you take responsibility for things in your life and stop trying to put it somewhere else. Cause once you take responsibility and try to fix it yourself, it's a lot easier to deal with. And usually generally it will not happen again. If you, if you take ownership and, and find out why it happened and fix it right there. So, um, so that's all I got for motivation Wednesday to get you guys through the rest of the week. Yeah. There's a lot to break down there and I love it because you know, I like when you started with the non-negotiable and like, you talked yeah. about the lunges, and I think people overthink. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's one simple minutes. task, and it's and not like you said. It takes you what seven minutes, thirteen, way, fifteen, minutes way more than fifteen minutes. How much time do we spend on our phone at night when you're laying in bed? That's what people I think understand, like misunderstand. Like you know, they're like, yeah. "Well, I don't have time." Well, how much time do you spend in the morning looking at your yeah. phone? Like, what's the first thing that most of us do in the morning? What's the last thing most of us do? And like, I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. We've all done it. But like, you know, when you start to look at it that way, like you have to value, where is your time more valuable? Like, cause you're bettering yourself one mentally and two physically, like you're doing, you're getting a, a double bang cause you're getting both of them. And like the, I, like you said, the, I, I feel like the, the mental thing's really the biggest challenge. Cause it's yeah, real easy, watching, especially you know like, when I'm, you're by yourself, like it's real easy to just be like, you know what? Nobody's here. Who, who cares? But that. Yeah, yeah, that goes back to like, you know, the, the accountability thing, like in the back of your mind, you're going to be the one that knows. And, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to like own up to anybody like, oh, man, I didn't finish my lunges yesterday. Well, like it and like the thing you kind of were talking about with the accountability, I think if you take accountability upon it, like yourself, if like you mess up a play, you mess up, you know, something with work, whatever. And, you know, if you're getting yelled at or whatever, yeah. you just have to kind of take it on the chin and be like, you know what? That's my fault. You have to leave your ego at the door almost and like take it on the chin. And I think if you take, in my opinion, like when I've seen, you know, my boss take accountability for like, hey, I messed up coaches take accountability, players that I've played with. When you, when you take the accountability for your mistakes, mm -hmm. you earned respect from your teammates, your peer, like every everybody. I think you earn respect from a lot of people because it's like, you know what? He, he realized he messed up. And like, and that's one of the things when people take accountability, exactly. you realize you made a mistake. And usually the people that can take accountability, they can learn from the mistake. Like they can, they realize that's the biggest thing is like, if you take accountability, you have to like, most of us understand what, what happened. That's the biggest thing. And it's like, you know, I've seen it in the workforce, like with people or you'll have people who, you know, want to be like, well, you, you know, your boss will come up and be like, you did this wrong. And they get all defensive, like, well, no, and it's like, but then you're sitting there going, like, why? Yeah. Like, where, where, what good does it do? First off, like, when the boss says something, like, you don't really have a say, and like, like, depending on what it is, but like, you know, you don't really have a say. Whatever the boss say, like, it goes. But you know, you said a lot of good stuff that I loved, and like, the consistency is like, consistency. You have to be consistent with things if you want to change your habits, like, whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. And I don't remember the exact number. There's like a science yeah, behind it, but it takes a while about. for something to become a habit. I feel like it's like 21 days, like something like that. And like it, it doesn't. It's not something that just happens. Like, how many people do you see? Like, yep. I always make fun of New Year's resolutions. Not that I'm against them necessarily, but like, 
they last for two weeks most of the time. Nobody really follows remember. through yeah. with them. If you ask them at the end of the year, hey, what were your New Year's resolutions? Most of them would be like, I don't even remember. Like, because that's why, like, I, I don't like necessarily, yeah. like, if, if you're going to do something, and I feel like me personally, write it down to somewhere that you see it every day. If you truly want it, because then you see it every day and it's a daily reminder, like, ah, yeah. shit, like, I need to do this. Like, I have to do this. And like you driving past walk-ins, that's your reminder yeah. right there. Like, and that's, uh, that, that's also why like, I posted on my like, story because I, I, it's there. Know, I got a good, I know that, you know, nobody really probably cares that, you know, okay, I'm up lunch and around the track at 7am or 645 or whatever. Nobody probably really cares about that. Right. But, but for me to put it up there and then, you know, people are going to see it and then, Maybe I don't put it up one day and somebody messages me and, and says, hey, you know, did you, did you get your lunches in or, you know, why didn't you post or where's your post at? Um, and just for today, like you said, you woke up, it was raining. Um, I was excited because I knew I was going to drive up to the track. Nobody was going to be there. I was going to be the only one out there. And it was pouring rain. And. I got that there. Even better. Yeah, I said, well, nobody's there. You know what? It's it's not going to be that bad. It's going to be ten minutes. Um, I think it was like maybe twelve minutes today. Took my shirt off, went out there, got it done, got back in the car, soaked, and then went home and took a shower. And it wasn't that bad. And um, I just kind of I kind of use that for motivation. Like, you know, most people would say, and like I'm gonna call out my brother because he was with me too. And I'll, I'll cut him some slack because he is um, he's playing summer ball and he had a game today. Um, but he was with me at the track and uh, he said, uh, I think I'm going to my wait till later when it's not raining outside or I might do I might skip today. I got a game or whatever. So I'll, I'll cut him some slack. But um, like me going out there, it was pouring rain. I knew it was going to be, you know, miserable. I was going to get wet. I was going to get soaked. Um, and then just choosing to go out there and embrace it and do it anyway. Um, I think that's big and it's, that might not be easy for a lot of people. Um, but I think that's just something that, you know, when, when things aren't perfect, then you can think about them and say, okay, this is going to be even tougher than it usually is. And I'm going to do them anyway. So. I like that you said embrace it. Embrace it's the biggest thing. Like honestly, yeah. like and that's like with uncomfortable stuff. Like you just have to embrace yeah. uncomfortability. I don't know if that's a word, but you have to embrace the uncomfortable. Uh, embrace yeah. the uncomfortable. That's what we'll say. Like you have to take it in because you're. That's the only time you're gonna grow. If you're sitting in your comfort zone, you're never gonna grow. You have to do the uncomfortable stuff, like yeah. I talked about. And you know, most of the time, like those non-negotiable things, they need to be something that's uncomfortable something that's challenging mentally, physically, both, whatever exactly. it is, something that'll help you improve yourself or, and, or others. But with that, I think that's a wrap on episode something rather it's one Oh something. I think it's one Oh five. I don't know. I think it's one Oh five, but that's not quite important. What is important that we got another great episode in the books. Yeah, Where can people catching, follow coaching. your, uh, your um, catching? So, um, if you want to follow me and more coaching, catching separate accounts, I like three, to separate stuff. So if you want to follow me and like lifting, lunging type stuff, um, that's just going to be at Mitch lore. Just, uh, just Instagram, Facebook, I don't have Twitter or TikTok. Um, Sweet. And then uh, for catching, will, uh, um, catching is mostly just me posting videos of the, of the kids that I coach. 
So it's mostly just, you know, younger kids doing, doing their drills and doing catching lessons. Um, but that is at big three catching. And that is on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. I'm not very active on TikTok and Twitter. Um, I, I, I kind of hate social media, but I know it's important to grow business. So I'm trying to figure out how to learn it and do it. Um, but most of my stuff's on Instagram. That's where it's always hard to like take a break from social media when you have a, you know, with the podcast. Yeah. Like it's like, cause I'll get yelled yeah, at times right by the, the, the girlfriend yeah. of, uh, you're always on your phone. Like I'm on the roughnecks account right now. Trying I to got the same post. thing. Like yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to ignore you. I just need to get this post ready for tomorrow or whatever. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, man, I yeah. really appreciate you coming on yeah. for an episode of the podcast. Uh, probably definitely have to have you on again in the future once that business grows a little bit. Till Friday, I already have that episode recorded, so we're we're on the. It's actually my. It's another family member on the podcast. I haven't had all the family on. I've only had one family member, and now we're about to have two more. But until Friday, you guys know the deal. Life is hard, and it's going to knock you down just like a bull does to a bull rider. Don't let the bull of life walk all over you. Get up, grab the bull by the horns, and take control of your life. Roughnecks, out. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. If you liked today's episode, then be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with a friend if you got some value from it. Head over to social media and follow the Roughnecks podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to that YouTube channel. Don't forget to get you some of that merch by heading over to roughneckspodcast.com and subscribe to the newsletter while you're there. See y'all next week. Roughnecks, out.